0: Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview based podcast focused on offering listeners in depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. following is an episode of Rawcast Recycle. This piece was originally recorded on the now defunct show Rawcast the Antisocial Commentary Podcast. However, the content does specifically relate to psychedelia, and we think there's some good information here. So if you notice some inconsistencies, that's just kind of the way it is due to the recording process. We are just recycling these for Psychedelicast. We hope that you enjoy this show just as much as our regular episodes.
1: And I hope I'm preaching to the converted, but if there's a single person in this room who doesn't know what I'm about to say, then it's worth repeating. And that is, we are not bullshitting you. This is not yoga. This is not NLP, not to knock those things. This is real. It is so real that you can take the most hardened, rational, reductionist asshole, and drop him in to that environment, and he will meet his maker. You know, it it dissolves you. It dissolves you into a confrontation with authentic being. And this is what we are starving for. This is how we've gotten into the messes and mess that we're in. Take seriously the techniques of shamanism. Study the plants. Make real choices. And then don't diddle the dose. Once you've done your homework, go for it.
0: Welcome to Psychedelicast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your constant host, Clinton Kayley. Happy to be here recording another episode for you guys. Actually, um, as you just heard, this episode has previously been recorded for another show, um, but today being of date, April the 3rd, 2020, 20 years gone, our brother, our mentor, um, um, a behemoth in the counterculture, and the psychedelic experience, Terrence McKenna, 20 years gone today. We miss you. We miss you. Um, so this is an episode kind of discussing his life and his accolades and his charisma, his character, his compassion, all those, all the wonderful things that we know and love about Terrence. Um, Not too much to say, we're just going to get into the episode after we do our housekeeping and our little psychedelic news. We're going to get right into this episode talking about one of my personal favorite public or historical figures of all time, TMK. I will just go ahead and say this before we get started, you know, um, of all the public figures that I um, am influenced by or inspired by, Terrence is probably the most... The one that I most feel, that I most miss, I I genuinely do miss Terrence McKenna, although I was only 10 years old when he passed away. So I was unaware of Terrence until my mid-teens, late teens. Um, And he was already gone when I discovered his body of work. Um, I really – I wish that I would have known him while he was alive, I wish he was still here today to offer us his wisdom, his guidance, um, and to offer us his level-headedness and his beautiful articulation and his genius mind, all those things that we love about Terence. I truly miss him. Uh, I ha- His spirit has visited me in an ayahuasca session that I had, and uh, it was a very beautiful moment. And, uh, you know... This, you know, I miss my grandfather, I miss my grandmothers. Uh, th- that's a different kind of missing, of course. But I do miss Terrence McKenna. And uh, it also gives me great joy, peace, and happiness to know that he's tripping the light fantastic just on the other side of what we all think we know here. So we'll see you again someday, buddy. Are you interested in the medicinal benefits of cannabis, but concerned with the legal and professional ramifications of using marijuana? CBD's Apothecary is a one-stop shop for all your CBD needs. People all over the world are turning to CBD to alleviate stress and anxiety, get better sleep, reduce inflammation, relieve pain, and so much more. CBD's Apothecary curates a full line of branded and lab-tested CBD products. Visit www.CBDsApothecary.com to shop our CBD oils, vapes, edibles, topicals, and supplements. CBD's Apothecary is also home to the only CBD-infused nut edible on the planet, CBD's Nuts. Our edibles start at just $5 a bag, and we've recently reduced the price of our most popular product, CBD's Drops 1000mg CBD Oil, to only $50. We have specifically priced our products to make CBD affordable and accessible to everyone. Shop now at www.cbdeezapothecary.com. Psychedelicast listeners enjoy 10% off at checkout with promo code CBDMED. That's C-B-D-M-E-D. Thank you, CBD's apothecary. Right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today we have several articles falling under the housekeeping folder here. Um, you know, here at Psychedelicast, we are still working on fitting into the right schedule and optimizing the show and in- experimenting with said schedule. Uh, so I want to give you guys some news. Pretty important if you're following the show, if you're a fan of the show, being that we have generally released our episodes every week on Saturday morning. Uh, we're going to alter that schedule a little bit and we're going to add some things. We're going to take some things away and we're going to change the date that our or the day of the week that Cast is released. Um, I'm doing this because I'm not seeing a very, I'm seeing a better response to the podcast on Mondays than I am on Saturday mornings. So we're going to try and go ahead and drop our show every Monday morning. That's a slight alteration. It's not going to make a whole lot of difference this week. In fact, what I wanted to do for you guys was give you this Rawcast Recycle episode and then follow it up right away this Monday with an episode, uh, with an interview. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So today, you'll be listening to this on the 4th. I'm recording this on the 3rd of April. You're going to get that episode on the 4th. Then you're going to get another episode back to back on the 6th Monday morning. So we're going to go ahead and just make that transition this weekend and keep it rolling after that. Another thing we're going to do is we're going to remain a weekly show, but we're going to tweak it slightly, ever so slightly. In order to ration my interviews, which require a lot of time and effort to uh, book, record, edit, prepare, all that good promote, promote all that good stuff, uh, it requires quite a good deal of time dedication. So what we're going to do is we're going to release an interview every other week. So every two weeks you're going to get a a great interview with an amazing guest in between in, interspersed between those so every week that you don't get an interview what you're going to get what we're going to offer you is um a various different things obviously relating to psychedelia but more than likely it will be a reading uh, of one of my own personal writings generally these have to do with my psychedelic experiences or my the lessons that i learned during these experiences or just kind of a creative um outlet for myself and uh i think you guys are going to really enjoy those i've released some of those type things um in raw caster cycles and things in the past but we're going to more focus more on breaking those down and kind of gleaning the lessons out of those um writings because sometimes my my writing is quite abstract. I like it. I don't know if you guys will. I hope that you will. Um, but I'm going to offer you that reading and then I'm going to kind of break it down for you. The headspace I was in, what I meant, some of the motifs, things like that. You're also going to get uh, reviews of psychedelic Media and uh, pop culture, so anything from albums to movies to video games to anything that I come across that I find psychedelically inclined that I think that you will enjoy or not enjoy, uh, I'm going to review some of those things. Um, So those shows are going to be interviewless, but they are going to be great quality shows with good content nonetheless, and I'm excited to deliver some of those shows to you as well. Um, I can want to continue to offer you guys great, unique, and varied content, even on the shows that we don't release an interview with, and so that's exactly what we're going to do. This Monday, the 6th of April, we're going to release our episode with the Mystical Heart Collective. That's an interview with John Steiner and Sinclair Fleetwood. This is a dynamic duo focusing on psychedelic integration and general well-being They're just going to kind of talk us through some of their ideas around the Mystical Heart Collective, what they're trying to accomplish, and how to live a more fulfilled and sustainable lifestyle and live in abundance. Um, Fascinating interview. I think it's a great interview for the current global situation that we're in. So I'm very excited to offer that to you this coming Monday. Beyond that, two weeks following that episode, which will be 420, we're going to release a very Another very special interview with a hush-hush guest, but I mean, this is a huge name guest. and We're very excited to have this person on the show. Um, so 420, be looking out for another very special interview. Of course, between there, as I just explained, you'll get another kind of grab bag episode and it'll be filled with cool shit. Um, before we get into the life and times of the late, great Terrence McKenna, I just want to send a... A no, a supernova of good vibes, thoughts, prayers, well beings, well being to all those around the world who listen to the show and who don't because decidedly there are very many, many more people around the world who don't listen to the show. Um, beyond beside the point though. I hope that everyone is staying safe out there. I hope you're doing well. I hope no one has fallen ill. And if you do, I wish you a speedy and rapid recovery. I can tell you that here in Houston, uh, as I've mentioned before, I work in emergency medicine. What we are seeing here uh, for all those um, coronavirus hoaxers or who people who believe that this is not real, um, you know, I count myself amongst those conspiracy theorists as well. However, uh, in this situation, I can tell you that what, what's happening here on the ground is that we are gearing up for uh, a disaster. We are we are putting new, very strict protocols in place. We're doing our best to stockpile PPE, which is protective equipment for not only healthcare professionals such as myself, but also patients. Uh, we are doing our level best right now. And all projections point to the fact that not only Houston area hospitals, but Texas hospitals in general will be a battleground in the coming month. Uh, Only time will tell what actually plays out. But I can tell you this from someone who works in the industry, boots on the ground every day. uh, We are preparing for the worst. We're hoping for the best, but we're preparing for the worst. With that being said, guys, let's talk some psychedelic news and then let's talk some Terrence McKenna. In psychedelic news today we offer you an article from theguardian.com this article was written on thursday april the 2, 2nd 2020 by nicola davis it's entitled ease rules on research into psychedelic drugs urges david nutt restrictions on the use of psychedelic drugs and research should be relaxed to help find new treatments for conditions including mental health disorders the former government advisor professor david nutt has said Nutt was sacked as chair of the Advisory Committee of the Misuse of Drugs in October 2009 over his views that ecstasy and LSD are less dangerous than alcohol. He said the potential benefits of psychedelics, first suggested from research in the 1950s and 60s, were failing to be properly explored because of draconian regulations imposed for political reasons. While heroin and psilocybin are both Class A drugs, only the latter is a Schedule I controlled drug. A category of drugs deemed to have no medical value a quote here from Nutt: the implication is if you want to use psychedelics you must be doing something naughty even though it is research he said the upshot was that research into drugs such as psilocybin involved an expensive and lengthy bureaucratic process to gain licenses and it was also difficult to gain ethical approval To continue quoting Professor Nutt, you've got to get permissions, multiple permissions from the Home Office, and they include inspections, he told The Guardian, adding that transporting such drugs required special couriers and extensive documentation, and higher levels of security were required than for other drugs that are more harmful. A lot of research isn't done because people just can't be asked to go through the rigmarole of getting the license, he added. Despite the tight restrictions, some new research is being conducted, including by Nutt and his team who have conducted brain scans on people who are tripping on LSD. Writing in the journal Cell, Nutt and colleagues outline evidence suggesting that psilocybin could be a powerful form of therapy for conditions ranging from depression to anorexia. Both the depression and tobacco smoking trials have shown that in some people psilocybin can produce clinical remission, in some cases persisting for years. The team write, adding that they are now working on a trial comparing psilocybin with the antidepressant escitalopram, in major depressive disorder. Nutt and colleagues say psychedelics are thought to produce such results by disrupting activity in the brain involved in habits of thought and behavior, possibly by interacting with a receptor predominantly found in the cerebral cortex of the brain called 5-HT2A. They say that disruption can not only help individuals gain insight into their conditions during the trip, but also provide a window of opportunity in the days that follow while the participant is experiencing a quote-unquote afterglow and thinking differently for them to engage better with psychotherapies. However, the team note many questions remain, including how long a trip needs to last for, for benefits to be seen, whether so-called microdosing with the drugs could be beneficial, and why some patients relapse after psychedelic therapy. In the meantime, with psychedelics legal in some parts of the world, the team are hoping to collect data on people's experience through an online survey nut cautioned against people using psychedelics for self-medication noting that participants in trials were prepared for the trip and the psychedelics were administered in the presence of therapists our depressed patients almost always have a very tough trip and we don't think they'd be safe having a trip like that in the middle of a field or in their own bedroom without professional care he said adding that psychotherapy afterwards was also important to gain benefits ultimately said nut the schedule one restrictions on psychedelics need to change We have been arguing for years that there should be exemption for research, he said. That magic mushrooms can be alongside crack cocaine in a Class A is absurd, but even worse is putting it in the Schedule 1 so you can't use psychedelics for research. That's the end of the article from The Guardian, and we here at Psychedelicast could not agree with you more, Professor Nutt. Thank you for the work that you do. Let's get into this episode. ether of time, the never-ending abyss of the ages. The voice of the psychedelic god himself joins us here in the future. Greetings to you, raw casters. I love you. Thank you so much for being with us this evening or this morning or this afternoon or wherever the fuck you are in time and space. We're glad that you've chosen to spend these, these few moments here with us. Not to do too much pontificating myself, but I am your humble host, Clint, here to bring you, the constant listener, another episode of the show. Welcome to Rawcast. If you don't recognize the voice that just joined us from out of the ether of the eternity of time just now, maybe you'll recognize the name. I hope that you do. If you don't, you're in for a fun one tonight. One of my favorite characters um, from history, but particularly from the counterculture history, we're going to speak with you about the psychedelic god himself this evening. We're going to talk to you about Mr. Terrence McKenna, the bard of the psilocybin mushroom, the poet laureate of dimethyltryptamine and the tryptamine family of hallucinogenic or psychedelic plant medicines. I myself have just finished reading his book, True Hallucinations. That's why I've decided to take on this piece tonight, to take on this famous historical character and cover his life and his exploits, some of his thoughts and some of his beliefs about humanity and our relationship to these people almost alien technologies known as the psychedelics or the plant teachers or medicines. We're going to discuss several different iterations of these medicines that Terrence McKenna himself was so fond of, and he spent much of his life... um, Pontificating is not the correct word, but he spent much of his life advocating for and supporting the use of. Let's go ahead and jump in here. Let's talk about Mr. Terrence Kip McKenna, born November 9 November 16th, 1946. Terrence McKenna was an American ethnobotanist, mystic, psychonaut, lecturer, author, and also an advocate for the responsible use, and advocate, an advocate for the responsible use of naturally occurring psychedelic plants. He spoke and wrote about a variety of subjects, including psychedelia, plant-based entheogens, shamanism, the metaphysical, The alchemical, language, philosophy, culture, technology, science fiction, environmentalism, and the theoretical origins of human consciousness. McKenna formulated a concept about the nature of time based on fractal patterns he claimed to have discovered in the I Ching, uh, the I Ching we will discuss later on. It was a big influence in Terence McKenna's life and works, um, This theory that he developed, he called the novelty theory, proposing, uh, that the I Ching could not only predict the end of time, um, but also a transition of consciousness that would take place in the year 2012. His promotion of the novelty theory and its connection to the Mayan calendar is credited as one of the factors leading to the widespread beliefs about 2012's disaster, um, theory or whatever you'd like to call it um of course the novelty theory is considered by most to be simple pseudoscience we'll let you be the judge of that when we get to the novelty theory let's talk about terence mckenna's young mckenna's early life he was born and raised in paonia colorado uh he was actually of irish descent on his father's side of the family uh born to a, a mother of welsh heritage um So interestingly enough, November 16th being Terrence McKenna's date of birth, um, LSD was first synthesized on this exact day eight years earlier. So there's one of the first kind of bizarre, strange synchronicities we'll see come about in this this very interesting and colorful life. Uh, He was a curious child who nurtured many esoteric interests at a young age. When he was 10... He would reportedly blaze through literature such as Carl Jung's Psychology and Alchemy during breaks from building his butterfly and moth collection. Decades later, he would be using the very same butterfly net from his childhood during his historic adventures to the Amazon rainforest in search of various psychedelic substances, And the book that I just read of Terrence McKenna's, I'm actually into about halfway into Food of the Gods right now, but I just finished True Hallucinations. What a wonderful adventure and just fun-filled book that was for me, especially as a fan and, um, initiate of the psychedelic, psychedelic, psychedelia, culture of psychedelia, whatever you'd like to call it, psychedelic culture, counterculture. Um, I really really enjoyed reading that book it just filled me with such a sense of wonderment and adventure and I really just devoured it so quickly because it was a page turner for the most part there was a dense portion right in the middle where they talk where he goes into like this long diatribe about this crazy experiment that they were doing maybe I'll get into that in a little more depth later in the episode but suffice to say that part was really really I found it unnecessary and I'm sure if he you know as a youngster, man, we'll get into it. Let's see here. Terrence's unique verbiage was probably the deed of his grandfather, Joseph Kemp, who passed on when Terence was only 13 years old. Terence's brother, Dennis McKenna, also a figurehead in the counterculture and psychedelic community, uh, Dennis McKenna, uh, noted... Kemp loved playing with language and would often invent alien-sounding vocabulary to describe anything from food to weather. Darren's antennae were inse... Pardon me. Darren's... What am I saying here? Am I on psychedelics right now? No, I'm not. I wish I was. Dennis and Terrence were inseparable as kids with the caveat that Terrence was something of a mean child. Uh, In his memoir, The Brotherhood of the Screaming Abyss, Dennis recollects how his brother used to merciless mercilessly tickle him to the point of torment as well as how terrence would tease classmates however dennis still idolized his older brother and followed him uh in whatever endeavor he might be undertaking at the time the two were completely inseparable and what a duo what a classic name a more iconic duo than dennis dennis and terrence mckenna i'll wait should make a meme out of that and i'm not sure why i'm having so much trouble saying their names Stumbling over my words here. Terence began experimentation with psychedelics as a teenager, introduced to the world of mind-altering substances by the work of none other than Aldous Huxley. Um, and actually, Terence would go on to later credit his interest in psychedelia to other legendary science fiction writers. Uh, once he actually stated, "I regard science fiction as the entry, dr- entry drug into the psychedelic world." I would agree with that. Excellent science fiction, excellent entry drug into the psychedelic world. When he was 17, he would grind up heavenly blue morning glory seeds and enjoy their mild trips while wandering among the Joshua trees in Soco, Southern California. Uh, He also took to smoking marijuana and claimed that it would henceforth be the connecting substance to his entire creative opus. To quote Terrence McKenna concerning marijuana, if you don't smoke cannabis – You may spend your evening balancing your checking account. If you do smoke cannabis, you may spend your evening contemplating the causes of the Greek Renaissance. Um, If you do smoke cannabis, you may spend your evenings doing neither of those, but instead watching Rick and Morty over and over on Netflix. Not that I know from experience or anything like that. just heard from a friend of a friend. He dropped acid for the very first time at the tender age of 19. Under the effect of what he would later popularize as a quote, heroic dose of the purest LSD he could find, young Terence went through a complete dissolution of the boundaries of reality. He would keep enjoying LSD for a long time to come. However, learning about the phantasmagoric visions of Huxley's and Ellis' worlds, Huxley's and Ellis's worlds, he wanted a more potent visionary experience. Is there a more potent visionary experience than LSD? I believe that there is. I believe I have experienced more potent visionary experiences beyond LSD. However, I have experienced quite a dramatic LSD uh, trip or two in my life. I believe I've talked about those on previous episodes of the show. So Terrence finally found what he was looking for with the great and powerful DMT or dimethyltryptamine. I believe I also spoke about wanting to try this uh, hallucinogen from the tryptamine series in a previous podcast. And I can tell you now that over the past year's passage, I have had several introductory, what I'll call introductory experiences to the world of dimethyltryptamine. Quite a bizarre and potent uh, psychedelic tool. Uh, I'm still, we'll just leave it at that. Introductory dos- doses uh, for the Meister of the quite bizarrely potent hallucinogen dimethyltryptamine. That same year, as anthropologist Graham St. John explains, Terence experienced what he calls the holy grail of mind-bending substances, and it transformed him entirely. Terence was utterly dumbfounded by the instantaneous replacement of reality with Quote, "...titanic, alien, and off-planet motifs, and the discovery of strange entities existing in these alternate worlds." Describing beings he witnessed in these early trips, he commented, to quote Terence himself, "...these self-transforming machine elf creatures were speaking in a colored language which condensed into rotating machines that were like Fabergé eggs, but crafted out of luminescent superconducting ceramics and liquid crystal gels. What in the fuck?" that sound like something you might be interested in? Get yourself a big old bowl of DMT and just rip the ever living shit out of it and see what happens to you. I can promise you. You will be surprised. Inspired by these otherworldly experiences, Terence stated Pardon me, Terence started getting curious about shamanism. Eventually this line of research would bring him to the Amazon, but not before a short hiatus on the other side of the globe. Spurred by the countercultural icon Timothy Leary, and his famous freedom call that went turn on tune in and drop out i'm sure we've all heard that anybody who's uh familiar with mr tim leary there um actually i just read that woody harrelson is set to portray tim leary in a mini series about his life that should be pretty cool i like uh woody harrelson pretty good actor i like tim leary pretty weird guy should be a pretty uh Pretty cool combo there. Young Terrence apparently decided to take the dropout bit to heart, so he headed to Nepal to study the Tibetan language, culture, shamanism, and of course become an international hashish smuggler. After all, young hippies got to make a living, right? Got to smuggle a little bit of hashish in and out of Nepal. Sounds extremely questionable to me. Not, uh, Not something I really want to have on my resume. This excursion into drug trafficking... Went sour when a shipment headed to America got intercepted by U.S. Customs. Psh, always does. Goddamn U.S. Customs. Terrence understood it was time to call it quits and spent his next life chapter traveling through Southeast Asia, stopping for a while in Indonesia to collect butterflies professionally. And in Japan to teach English. I forget what they call it. His, um, his main area of study is insects it's not insectology it's something else what is it called hang on a second i want to figure that out what is that called ah the study of insects aka entomology entomology not to be confused with etymology which is the study of words and their origins Entomology, the study of insects. So this was actually what he studied at uh, UC Berkeley in California during his academic career. Anyways, where were we? At this point, Dennis and Terence decided that the DMT experience, experience was to be the most significant discovery of their lives, and that there should be no more important cause to dedicate themselves to than understanding and describing this strange, potent molecule. They researched and discovered an indigenous settlement in southern Colombia that was using ukuhi, a DMT-containing sap taken from virola trees, and they prepared and was prepared for oral ingestion already aware of the various DMT snuffing customs in the Amazon region they correctly assumed that an oral preparation would allow them more time in the nth dimensions of hyperspace and so in the year of our lord 1971 alongside three friends they set out for an expedition to south america and this is basically the point this expedition to their to south america is basically the point or the main plot focus of the book true hallucinations that I've just finished by Terence McKenna and like I uh, told you earlier beyond it being an extremely intriguing and calling like a, I can just feel this siren call to adventure um, after reading this book like I literally just want to just sell my worldly possessions and leave the rat race behind and go dude like that's i've been you know i told rachel that after i finished it um but this book the main plot point is this um there does concern their arrival in la cherrera which is a small mission village um that was home to a tribe of indians known as the watoto Um, Beyond it being the story of this adventure, adventure, it is, as I said before, an almost pseudoscientific explanation, tech recipe or guidebook for this really bizarre, half-baked, hallucinogen-spawned idea that they had about – impregnating human dna with psilocybin and dimethyltryptamine dna it's crazy dude and for like i mean honestly it was kind of a like i said a tedious part of the book um because it's seems like i mean you got to be tripping real fucking hard to like buy into any of the shit that these two brothers were talking about and dennis was a big part of it um but we'll we'll probably get into it a little bit here um so upon their arrival in La Charrera, they were surprised to discover there the pastures there, which were filled with the Cebu cattle, were brimming with an entirely different psychedelic uh, plant medicine, the psilocybin mushroom, mushroom uh, specifically Stropharia cubensis. Um, at first, the McKinnis thought eating them would provide an interesting pastime until the moment seemed right to inquire about the akuhe and the Ayahuasca. Speaking of Ayahuasca... Um, really excited um, really getting into these DMT-based um, hallucinogens and considering them and thinking about taking my own trip to the Amazon. I actually may or may not have already booked an excursion to Peru later in the year or early next year. I'm not going to neither confirm nor deny those accusations, but I may be going on my own adventure here shortly for the um, much sought-after and much mysterious jungle brew known as Ayahuasca or Yage. Um, continuing on with the McKenna Brothers, however, this haphazard discovery of the stropharia cubensis, the psilocybin mushroom, would soon to be prove to be uh, a pivotal and serendipitous um, side purpose of the voyage. A voyage. Uh, to quote Terence again, like most Westerners, I believe that magic was a phenomenon of the naive and the primitive, that science could provide an explanation for the workings of the world. In that position of inte- intellectual naivete, I encountered psilocybin for the first time at St. Augustine in the Alto Magdalena of Southern Columbia. Later, and not far away, in Florencia, I also encountered and used visionary brews made from Banisteriopsis copy vines, the yage or ayahuasca of 1960s underground legend, to end that quote. Um, So the brothers and the rest of their group, because they were traveling in a group of five people, and it kind of changed off and on due to disagreements and falling outs, and you know, they kind of picked up travelers and lost travelers uh, during the explanation of the book, True Hallucinations, but they ended up making these mushrooms a regular element of their sustenance. And as Dennis describes it, Dennis McKenna, the brother of our Lord and Savior Terrence, to quote him, the food we brought was inadequate, and you can make quite a nice bowl of soup or an omelet with psilocybin mushrooms. Now, I don't know about you, but that's uh, what I'd call the breakfast of motherfucking champions, a psilocybin omelet. Uh, Out of this constant state of altered consciousness, they would get many funny ideas, a string of which would grow into the henceforth infamous La Charrera experiment, the experiment I've been describing here. Let's see if we can do this in a short in a condensed version by comparison to true hallucinations because they really go on for several chapters about this, and it's tedium. It's tedium. Uh, Let's see here. The experiment came to Dennis as a telepathic download from the intelligent direction of, quote, the teacher, the mushroom, or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, I would say specific emphasis on that whatever it was part. Under the instructions of Dennis, the members of the group were supposed to attempt to create, uh, pardon me, to attempt, quote, creating and then fixing the mercury of their own consciousness fused with the four-dimensionally transformed psilocybin DNA complex of a living mushroom. Basically, Dennis's goal was to achieve a superconductive state that would allow for creation of something like a symbiosis between their human DNA, the tryptamines in the ayahuasca vine, and the psilocybin in the mushroom. Um, and if you'd like to, you can read in-depth accounts of this experience and the events leading up to it in the book by Terrence, True Hallucinations. And it's also uh, stated uh, in depth in Dennis's book, The Brotherhood of the Screaming Abyss. So I'm not going to go into that here because it, they do go into it in great detail in both of those books. I haven't read The Brotherhood of the Screaming Abyss, um, but it's pretty – let's see. How do I put this? It's pretty far out, man, what they were trying to do here. It doesn't make hardly any sense and it, what they were trying to do didn't work. Well – I guess that depends on how you look at it. If you want to, if you're more interested in that, you should read *True Hallucinations*. And actually, you should read it anyways because it's fantastic. It's a fantastic adventure, uh, especially if you're into, if you're interested in psychedelia, in any, in any capacity. So the conclusion of the experiment can be summarized neatly in the following words of Terence: "Quote, our destiny was a destiny was apparently to be the human atoms critical to the transformation of Homo sapiens into galaxy roving." Bahisattvas, I don't know what the fuck that means. The culmination and quintessence of the highest aspirations of star coveting humanity. And that quote comes out of true hallucinations. Interesting, but not exactly what I gleaned from reading Terence's description of events. Uh, After this experience, Terence was ready to fully unfold as the visionary prophetic advocate of psychedelic substances and altered states of consciousness, remember and celebrate him as. Uh, Before we leave this, let's talk a little bit about what these guys were actually doing because it is crazy. They found these stropharia cubensis mushrooms, potent psilocybin mushrooms, by surprise. And during one of the mushroom trips, Dennis basically had this idea that he could make, literally make this audible vocal sound with his voice that he was given the sound during a mushroom trip by the mushroom entity. So he believed that this sound was taught to him during a trip and that if he were to um, modulate his voice so as to replicate this sound audibly during the hallucination, the hallucinatory experience that he would actually merge the tryptamine dna with his own human dna and go on like across galaxy like basically be literally literally physically become one with the universe so how they went about doing this was they brewed up a giant pot of ayahuasca super potent strong hallucinogen brew made in the jungle from banisteriopsis copy and um uh Uh, mimosa hostilis or another member of the mimosa family root bark basically a dmt uh, a tryptamine containing root bark as well as an maoi a monoamine uh oxidation inhibitor um it's just a really potent psychedelic brew let's leave it at that if you're interested in ayahuasca then look it up for yourself if you if you're interested in ayahuasca you already know what it is and what i'm talking about um So what they did was they drank the ayahuasca, then they take like an ungodly dose of mushrooms on top of that, and they're sitting there around this like candle that they blow out, and Dennis starts making this like insectoid, machinistic, strange, bizarre, humming, throaty, bassy noise, and they basically... this, this entire thing this that I'm describing right here, it sent Dennis McKenna into like a, a almost month-long extreme psych, psychotic break. Like he literally was completely out of touch with reality for at least three weeks to four weeks. Um, he literally lost his mind because they took such massive dose of ayahuasca and psilocybin. Even Terrence was whacked out for several days, and, but he was trying to take care of his his little brother. So he kind of like came back to reality, but Dennis was like – Gone into the ether of psychosis over this trip for, for weeks, literally. And he actually was probably never the same. I'm sure he discusses this. Um, still a very intelligent man. But I'm sure that like – I just don't think you could take that massive dose of multiple hallucinogens like that and ever be the same again. I, I mean especially after experiencing a three- to four-week complete mental break and psychotic episode. But to them, to these two brothers, they literally didn't see – so this is to the outside observer what I'm describing is what sounds like a psychotic mental break from reality. To them, they believed they had actually accomplished what they were trying to do and that Dennis was on this intergalactic trip becoming one with the universe for three weeks. But really he just lost his fucking mind because he took like the most unreasonably – stupid dose of hallucinogens probably ever taken in the history of mankind. Anyways, that is the story of La Charrera in a nutshell. If you want to hear that story in more depth, once again, check out the book True Hallucinations. You should definitely do that anyway. So, let's talk a little bit about... Let's just talk a little bit more about him and some of the interest, interesting things about him. Uh, in the annals of an anal, in the uh, annals of psychedelic research, there have been very few figures who have made a mark through their psychedelic discoveries and ideologies. Um, however, Terence McKenna was one of them, if not the most renowned. He was a lecturer, psychonaut, and writer who had dedicated decades to studying shamanism and psychic alteration. His brilliance and interest in human psychology was evident from a young age uh, as he readily devoured Carl Jung's books. Um, He supported the survey of different statuses of the human mind through the consumption of psychedelic substances such as psychedelic mushrooms. He traveled far and wide across the globe studying the impact of psychotropic flora on human culture, human cognizance, and evolution. He also extensively researched on and introduce the concept of the novelty theory, which we discussed earlier. We'll probably get into that uh, later on. Um, So, you know, this guy was just extremely, extremely influential. Um, If you know anything about the psychedelic in any way whatsoever, this name is not uh, unfamiliar to you. Um, in 1965, he began to study art history at the University of uh, California in Berkeley. Two years later, he became involved in studying shamanism and traveled to Jerusalem where he met his future wife, Kathleen Harrison, kind of, kind of moving in a uh, – well, how else would you move through a story or how else would you move through a podcast about Terrence McKenna than in a chaotic and choppy manner? There's no other way to do it because that's what his life was, chaotic and choppy. Um, in nineteen sixty nine, inspired by his study and uh his hallucinogenic experiences, he would eventually travel to Nepal, where he worked for a brief period as a hashish smuggler. He actually was a wanted man for several years, and he spent several years being extremely paranoid and traveling around the world, uh, believing that he was being, you know, chased by US customs agents and this and that and the third. That's probably was all exacerbated by his Use of massive doses of psychedelic substances. Let's see. Following the death of his mother in 1971, uh, he traveled to the Amazon with his friends and brother Dennis where they tried to look for a certain hallucinogenic plant medicine. This is what we just discussed. So his mom died in 71, and they went to the Amazon um, where they found the stropharia cubensis, and they performed the experiment at La Torreira very shortly after his mother's death. I think it was within six months to a year after his mother's death. Uh, In 1972, he returned to Berkeley after his uh, Amazonian experience to finish his education, and he graduated from there three years later. Um, Directly after graduating, he co-authored a book on his Amazonian experiences titled The Invisible Landscape, Mind, Hallucinogens, and the I Ching. Um, which is once again that I believe it's a Chinese form of divination that in, that incorporates casting of dye and number sequences to try to tell the future. Um, let's see if we come across something a little deeper into that. Sometime in the 80s, he began giving public speeches on psychedelic drugs and also started conducting workshops on the same, where he stressed on the importance of felt experience as opposed to to what we're doing right now and listening. You need to do these yourself, which is kind of what he was saying in that clip in the beginning, is that this psychedelic experience is the great equalizer. It doesn't care if you're atheist. It doesn't care if you're Christian. Um, it doesn't matter what you believe, how logical you are. None of that makes any difference when you take that, uh, you know, when you when you chew up those mushrooms or you drop that tab or when you... Uh, Take that swallow of ayahuasca. None of that stuff matters because you are about to be overpowered by the strongest substances known to man, especially DMT. Well, shit, they all are. Psilocybin, lysergic acid, diethylamide, dimethyltryptamine, um, and a whole other plethora of extremely potent hallucinogens. Uh, You will be overwhelmed and carried away to distant strange lands there's nothing you can do about it none of your beliefs matter anymore you're if you take in a big enough dose you're going to experience complete dissolute dissolution of everything you've ever thought felt um, believed about yourself you're going to experience total ego death which is the literally the Destruction of everything you thought was real and everything you ever thought you knew about yourself, you will see that it is all a carefully constructed patchwork of influences and belief systems that are all based in nothingness and yet oneness at the same time. It's very, very strange, difficult, but beneficial experience. So um, you should read up on what Terrence considered the heroic doses of certain psychedelics and Those heroic doses will definitely get you to the the point of ego death and beyond. I know that his heroic dose for psilocybin is 5 grams dried, and his recommendation was to do 5 grams dried in silent darkness so that there is no outside input, there's no um, stimulation from the outside, that you're, you're there in the dark silence with this this high dose of psilocybin and so you're dealing with these things that are coming from within you you know or are they that's another that's another one of the interesting discussions about psychedelics does the psychedelic experience originate from within you or do these substances actually open a door you know crack the door into another dimension that we can experience you know does the psychedelic allow our minds to be fully opened so that we experience all of the wonder wonderment and mystery that is within our own psyche or is it an actually a portal to an exogenous experience if you understand what i'm saying um and i can tell you that certain psychedelics will give you different feelings in that category like dmt is so Seems to be so alien and so otherworldly that you could it couldn't possibly come from within you. It's so it's just so intense and bizarre. It's like this can't be from within me. This has to be from somewhere else. And most people that have that have spent time utilizing or exploring DMT seem to kind of agree on that. That DMT is really, especially smoked, like. freebase DMT, which is like smoking it as opposed to drinking it in an ayahuasca brew or or uh, snuffing it in a, a Yopo preparation. Um, most people tend to agree that this that the DMT experience is an extrinsic experience that you are able to access another dimension as opposed to it being created within your own brain because it's so unearthly and strange that it's like it defies the idea that it could come from within. Um just smoke some DMT and you'll find out. <clears throat> so in 1985 he co-founded the renowned ethnobotanical institution Botanical Dimensions along with his wife Kathleen in Hawaii. So let's go ahead and use that to segue into Mr. Terence McKenna's last trip. Um And when I say last trip, I don't – I'm not sure if that's literal, but I believe he actually swore off mushrooms at – after this trip. Pretty interesting here. Uh, This story is recanted in – or relayed to the reader in True Hallucinations. Pretty creepy story. Pretty cool story. This is in May 1999 – uh, Mr. McKenna returned to his jungle hideaway on Hawaii's Big Island after six weeks on the road lecturing. Uh, he was relieved to be home. Um, you know, McKenna had earned his keep as a stand up shaman on the lecture circuit, regaling groups of psychonaut seekers and boho intellectuals with tales involving mushrooms, machine consciousnesses, uh, clockwork elves, and the approaching end of history in 2012. Um, really strange things, and of course, wonderfully told. Terrence McKenna had a great vocabulary and was a very, in in my opinion, captivating speaker. I love listening to his speeches. And, dude, there is like a plethora of his shit on YouTube. So if you want to hear this guy talk, thank God there's a bunch of recordings. There's like hours of his lectures available on YouTube. Go check that shit out. It's wild. Uh, A recluse at heart, however, McKenna wanted nothing more than to surf the web, read, polish up some manuscripts – and enjoy the mellow pace of Hawaii with his new girlfriend, Christy Silness, who was a kind young woman he had met the year before at an ethnobotanical conference in the Yucatan. Soon after McKenna arrived home, however, he was hit with ferocious headaches. Um, oh no, this is not... Ah, oh, damn it. Okay, we're gonna come back to this. Man, I'm fucking up. Okay, this is not what I thought it was. We have got to get to... I think that's about his actual death. Sorry, guys. Jumping ahead in the story here. Don't want to go there yet. I want to talk about his experience on Hawaii with his actual mushroom trip that scared the living shit out of him. Um, it's a pretty cool story, and he's like Terence is always kind of drawing these strange, uh, these kind of strange conclusions about what's happening to him. Um, but it's really, really interesting the way he kind of says things matter-of-factly that you can, that just don't seem true. Um, so let's see here. There are rumors going around in the depths of the internet message boards concerning Terrence McKenna and his beloved psychedelic substance, psilocybin, um, Once again, we're going to talk about The Brotherhood of the Screaming Abyss was written by his brother, Dennis. And this book recently shed some light on an incident that we could probably term a bad trip from which Terrence never fully recovered. Once again, this is also documented in True Hallucinations. That is not to say he didn't take mushrooms after that experience. So this is where the kind of confliction comes in. Um, And in True Hallucinations, he doesn't say that he didn't take mushrooms again after this, but he does, however, recount this story and Discuss its traumatic this traumatic experience that he had on Hawaii. Um, so Terence, however, did prefer and sought the clearly labeled and portioned active compounds psilocybin and psilocybin and, and psilocin after the incident. Psilocybin um, being the compound in the mushroom, psilocin being the broken down the way that the psilocin being the compound that is. Achieved after psilocybin is metabolized in the human body, so psilocin is actually the like building block that causes the hallucinatory effect in the in the magic mushroom. Um, let's see, Terence's okay. It's a quote from the Brotherhood of the Screaming Abyss. Terence's pivotal ex- existential crisis came abruptly sometime in '88 or '89. I did not know exactly when it happened. And I don't know exactly what happened. I am piecing it together from what Cat, Terrence's wife, has told me. It happened when they were living for a time on the big island, and it was a mushroom trip they shared that was absolutely terrifying for Terence. It was terrifying because, for some reason, the mushroom turned on him. The gentle, wise, humorous mushroom spirit that he had come to know and trust as an ally and teacher ripped back the facade to reveal an abyss of utter existential despair. Terrence kept saying, so Kat told me that it was, to quote Terrence, inside this Dennis quote, a lack of all meaning and a lack of all understanding. Dennis did remove this paragraph in the final version of his book, mainly because a certain number of individuals in the community misunderstood it and jumped to conclusions that were not rooted in actual facts. Uh, let's quote Terrence now, uh, the trip that I had in Hawaii, I thanked God that somebody was there, that Kat was there specifically, because just the sound of her voice completely ameliorated a whole spectrum of hard to describe, but very icky things that were threatening to overwhelm me, and I don't have trips like that very much, where I need somebody there. Sometimes that's what these psychedelics do, they make you get down and grovel in the dirt. God, I had this trip in Hawaii that was just horrible, you know, where it was saying, You think you're such hot stuff, you won't even get off your ass and go shit in the field. You know, I want to see you grovel, man. You sit in front of all these people and pontificate on how it's all put together. Face me, now, in the darkness, and tell me how it's all put together. Woo! That is not what you want to hear from the good old psilocybin mushroom. So let me tell you about this, Uh, let me kind of uh, run through this trip that he talked about. In True Hallucinations, he was discussing the fact that him and his wife at the time were basically taking these pretty solid doses of psilocybin mushrooms at a really regular clip. I think he was saying that they were taking his heroic dose of five grams dried every two weeks, which is, you know... For most people, that's like a a once-in-a-lifetime thing or maybe like a once-every-blue-moon, like couple-of-years-type blue-moon thing. That's not no two-weeker. Like, dude, you ain't trying to drop 5Gs every two weeks. That shit will fucking destroy you. Um, But, you know, this guy's an extremely experienced psychonaut with heavy, heavy doses. So for him, I guess, that really wasn't shit. But anyways, they dropped this 5-gram dose, him and his wife each. Um, and his wife starts complaining about overheating and in his mind, he thinks, okay, let's just get her outside and she can have, she can cool off. Um, so when they go outside, she like completely just collapses and you know, he's in the middle of this intense mushroom trip. She seems like she's dying. I mean, you can only imagine what's going through his head. His wife is dying. He's tripping balls. Um, and she keeps telling him, you know, over and over, like, I'm so hot, I'm so hot, I have to cool down, I have to cool down. And then she's completely out, she's gone. So he takes her to the back of their little house there on the on the Hawaii, some cliff in Hawaii. And uh, he starts just dumping water from their trough on her. And So finally she comes back and uh, he says, I'm not sure if they both agreed and said this, but he says that upon her coming back, they're like... 50 yards from this wood line, like this, uh, the edge of the forest. And he says that he hears audibly like this loud ear splitting, evil, like horrifying cackle from the wood lines. Like this, like the most de- demonic evil laugh, peal of laughter you could imagine. So, th- you know, this, th- this coupled with what's just happened to his wife, like sends him into this fucking abysmal, abysmal, just hellscape of a mushroom trip. Um, And, you know, later on his wife told him basically what was happening to her. And she said that what was happening in her mind was that there was a spacecraft above the house or above her body that was emitting some sort of beam that was causing her to burn. And that when he put the water on her, it actually, like, physically protected her from the burn in some way and um anyways this trip really fucking punished him and changed his kind of relationship with the psilocybin mushroom which had always been amicable for him or friendly and he i mean he literally talks about the mushroom spirit having an audible voice that talked to him all the time that he would get guidance from and counsel um so you know really really weird shit that um, you know, he finally had this epically horrifying mushroom trip. But, I mean, not that surprising, dude. When you're taking shit that high of a dose, it really doesn't matter how experienced you are. I mean, that shit's just chaos, dude. Uh, I've never taken a mushroom dose quite that high. I'm considering trying it, but I don't know, man. I think I will. Right? I mean, that's, that's what the, that's all that the psychedelic experience requires of you is courage, the courage to face, I mean, really, at that, at that, at those doses to face your death. That's literally what's going to happen is you're not only going to experience ego death, but you're going to probably get to a point in the trip where you literally think you are physically going to die. Um, so you kind of have to know that going in and you kind of have to accept that, um and i think that's what constitutes the heroic dose because you know that no matter how good a trip it is or starts or you know you're going to be shown some amazing things but more than likely you're going to have to undergo some like really really intense psychological trauma that will probably probably end up being freeing and helpful to you in many aspects because i think releasing your fear of death by actually going through the experience of death i mean it, it if you're under a strong dose of psychedelics and you believe you're dying like there's the only thing that would be closer to death would to be actually to die like it's so real to you that if you think you're dying you might as well be dying so uh, if you can face that you know that's definitely going to change you as a person and i think in a in a positive way um but you know that's you know that's one thing that I really have always you know that's one thing I've always respected about psychedelics and always thought was you know just kind of the point is that psychedelics require one thing from you the courage to eat the mushroom the courage to drink the brew um, the strength of of mind and the strength of will to ingest the substance and ride the fucking ride the motherfucker till the till the wheels come off because that's what's going to happen. Once you drop that cap, once you drop them caps, or once you start, you know, you sit down at ayahuasca, dude, there ain't no turning back. Ain't nobody going to come save you. No one is going to help you in that moment. No one can save you from that, dude. You have to take that experience yourself and you have to, you know, face it. And majority of the time, It's not always going to be, you know. Honestly, I've never had a, I've had really scary moments in psychedelic experiences, but I've never had what I would call a bad trip. Although I've never taken really massive doses of any psychedelic, except for salvia one time, and that was actually, okay, I take that back. That was a horrifying trip. That was the most scary shit I've ever been through in my life. But I was an idiot. I had no respect for drugs whatsoever, and I certainly had no respect for psychedelics, and I certainly had no respect for salvia because I bought it for like twenty dollars in a head shop. And you know what? Honestly, that experience taught me so much respect. So that was good for me because it taught me respect for substances. Although I would never, ever, ever do that again. That's a whole nother podcast, that Salvia experience. I should, I should put that down one day. I don't really remember it that well. I just remember like the basic motifs of it and it was fucking horrifying, dude. I mean it fucked my head up for like – a week straight. I couldn't get my like perception of time back. Like my idea of time was so fucked up that it just, it was literally like, I remember it was like day five. I was like, when is this going to stop? Like, I can't seem to grasp time anymore. It just, because the, the Salvia trip changes, like it literally like bends space time in such a strange way that you'll be out for 15 minutes and when you come back you'll think you've been people have said many people have said this that they've not only in a 15 minutes physical 15 minute salvia trip that they've literally experienced an entire life in that in that experience i did mine wasn't that long but i can tell you that it was so bizarre and terrifying that when i came back i could not grasp the fact that Like the way that we measure time in seconds and minutes made no sense to me for almost a week. It it fucked me up so bad. And it literally scared the shit out of me. Like the whole – that whole day, I was useless. Like I think I called into work that night. Like I was just destroyed, dude. Anyways, that was a bad experience. But you know, that's another thing about it is that a lot of times these bad – what you would consider a bad experience teaches you such an important lesson that – you would never get any other way. Like you have to have the bad trip. You have to face the fear. You have to willingly put yourself in that extremely uncomfortable situation. It's just like everything else in life. The psychedelic experience is like a shortened microcosm of everyday life. If you want to get anything done in this life, if you want to accomplish anything, you have to... You have to face the uncomfortable. You have to willingly put yourself in those fearful positions and and face the beast. You know within yourself, uh, out in the world, and you know hallucinogens and the bad trip can teach you more about that in a shorter period of time than anything else. Like what would normally take years of experience to understand, like uh, like a like a kind of a really complex deep. Concept like that, like failure being, you know, acceptance of failure and facing uncomfortability to grow. Like that concept would normally take you years to play out and to like kind of grasp. You can you can figure that out real fucking quick with a big ass dose of, of acid or mushrooms or I'm assuming ayahuasca. We don't know quite yet, but we're going to find out. Anyways. You know, like the the psychedelic experiences is is really just a compacted microcosm of life, um, because you're going to go through every single emotion that you would normally, except heightened to the nth degree. uh, Euphoria, elation, wonderment, astonishment, uh, terror, horror, dread. Accomplishment, success, all that stuff. All that stuff can be found in the four to six hour psychedelic experience. It's amazing. and shit. With DMT, in 15 minutes, your entire brain will be fucked into the never-ending ether of the universe so hard that you might never be the same after one hit of that shit, bro. You probably won't. If you break through, you're probably never going to be the same after one 15-minute experience of DMT. Like, your life will be fucking changed. Anyways... Let's go ahead and get into uh, Mr. McKenna's last, last trip. We're going to kind of pick up where we started earlier and got discombobulated. But like I said, what's a podcast about Terrence McKenna? What is it if not discombobulated and chaotic? A recluse at heart, McKenna wanted nothing more than to surf the web, read, polish up some manuscripts, and enjoy the mellow pace of Hawaii with his new girlfriend, Christy Silness a kind young woman he had met the year before at an ethnobotanical conference in Yucatan. Soon after, however, McKenna arrived home. He was hit with ferocious headaches. He'd long suffered from migraines, but nothing in his 52 years could match the ice picks now skewering his brain. On May 22nd, after dragging himself to the John to vomit, McKenna's mind exploded. Hallucinations cut in like shards of glass. Taste and smell were bent out of shape, and he was swallowed up by a labyrinth that, as he later put it, somehow partook of last week's dreams, next week's fears, in a small restaurant in Dublin. Then his blood pressure dropped and he collapsed, the victim of a brain seizure. When McKenna came to, he was flat on his back, staring at the ceiling. As his extremely agitated girlfriend called 911, he swooned again. In addition to being much younger than McKenna, stillness is also much shorter, but somehow she managed to load his lanky 6'2 frame into their truck and drive down the mountain to meet him to keep McKenna awake she coaxed him into reciting a poem his grandfather used to chant the cremation of Sam McGee but then a grand mal hit and McKenna was out cold a grand mall is a brutal uh, form of seizure um, so let's just get down to brass tacks here and talk about uh, the death of the king so um McKenna was eventually diagnosed with glioblastoma multiforme, a highly aggressive form of brain cancer. For the next several months, he underwent various treatments, including experimental gamma knife radiation treatment, which is out now actually uh, widely used in medicine today. At this point, it was only experimental. This was 1999. According to Wired magazine, McKenna was worried that his tumor may have been caused by his psychedelic drug use or his 35 years daily cannabis smoking. However, his doctors assured him there was no casual relation. God, I sure hope that's true. In late 99, McKinnon described his thoughts concerning his impending death. Quote, I always thought death would come on the freeway in a few horrifying moments, so you'd have no time to sort it out. Having months and months to look at it and think about it and talk to people and hear what they have to say, it's kind of a blessing. It's certainly an opportunity to grow up and get a grip and sort it all out just being told by an unsmiling guy in a white coat that you're going to be dead in four months definitely turns on the lights it makes life rich and poignant when it first happened and I got these diagnoses I could see the light of eternity a la William Blake shining through every leaf I mean a bug walking across the ground moved me to tears and with that the the king of the counterculture the uh Prince of Psychedelia, Terence McKenna, passed away on April third, in the year of our Lord two thousand. He was only fifty-three years old. So, uh, his legacy uh, lives on in many, many, in many aspects. Uh, he proposed the theory of the stone ape idea of human evolution, wherein Human early ancestor Homo erectus uh, would travel across the grasslands, having first left the ancestral forests of Africa, coming across psilocybe cubensis. He posited that this chance encounter was actually responsible for like the doubling and tripling of the size of the human brain during this time. And that the effects of the psilocybe cubensis on Homo erectus is what led to the rise of the Homo sapiens, which are... What we are now, um, McKen- McKenna's hypothesis in this aspect was that low doses of psilocybin improves. Improved visual acuity, particularly ed- edge detection, which is true. If you've ever had a low dose of psilocybin, you'll know that that is true. Meaning that the presen- presence of psilocybin in the diet of early pack-hunting primates caused the individuals who were consuming psilocybin mushrooms to be better hunters than those who were not, resulting in an increased food supply and, in turn, a higher rate of reproductive success. Uh, the stoned ape theory is fascinating. We could probably do an entire. We could definitely do an entire show just on that theory. And Paul Stamets' work in that. Paul Stamets is a mycologist who studied closely uh, um, mycology and human evolution, and um, obviously psilocybin is a massive part of that. Um, we didn't really get to the novelty theory and Time Wave Zero and the I Ching. Um, It's all really technical, to be honest, and it probably deserves its own show as well. I don't think it would fit well because it's so dense, like informationally dense, and I really just wanted this piece to be more about the life and times and kind of a memorial to uh, a great man and an interesting man. So I think we'll save the deep I Ching Time Wave Zero novelty theory stuff for something else. It is fascinating, Um, but I probably wouldn't even do it justice because you really need to read Terrence McKenna's uh, writings on it because it's really, really dense, and I don't think I would be – I would do really well at translating it. And to be honest with you, I don't really feel like translating that because it is kind of – it is extremely tedious. Anyways, beyond that – I think I've given you a good introduction and overview of Terrence McKenna's life. Fascinating figure in American history, global history, um, the history of the counterculture, as well as, you know, the history uh, of, a uh, figurehead in the history of brilliant thinkers and people who live their life outside the box. I can't, um, can't recommend true hallucinations to you enough if you don't want to get that itch to go travel the world and drink ayahuasca and leave the rat race behind after you read if you if you don't want to get that bug up your ass or that you know if you don't want to feel that way don't read it because that's what's going to make you want to do it's going to make you want to quit your shit job get a backpack and go down to the Amazon and find somebody brewing up a big old pot of ayahuasca. So, if that's not something you want bothering you for a few weeks after you read that book, pass on that one because that's what it's going to do to you. Um, and so, we'll go ahead and close out here. Find a find a nice little ditty from the from the man himself to close the show out. Um and rest in peace to Terrence McKenna, man. He really was one of the kings and one of the pioneers of a of a field of study and research that we're just now seeing with the decriminalizations in Oakland and in Colorado, Denver, of these plant medicines. And I'm hoping that this becomes just a, a wave that sweeps the nation because it needs to be done, man. These are these these are I mean if you've never had this psychedelic experience before, you are doing yourself a massive disservice. I know that these that these substances and compounds have been demonized by the powers that be to be uh, drugs and harmful dude, these things are the most condensed and powerful experiences that you can ever have in your life and you need to do yourself the favor of you need to you need this in your life dude you need this in your life so let's go ahead and leave on a few words from mr mckenna himself this actually this quote kind of speaks to literally what i'm talking about right now uh Quote, I think of going to the grave without having a psychedelic experience like going to the grave without ever having sex. It means that you never figured out what it's all about. The mystery is in the body and the way the body works itself into nature. These are alien technologies that were put here by the universe or some higher power or God or what have you. DMT occurs naturally in the human brain. It occurs in thousands of plant species across the planet. I mean, dude. It doesn't make any sense. If God created everything, he gave us these compounds, psilocybin included. Call it God, the universe, higher power, aliens, whatever you want. I mean, just try them and you'll kind of get your own feel from it. I've experienced God on these substances. I've been closer to God than I've ever been in any church on these substances. I've experienced what I things that I believe to be completely alien to this world on these substances. It's up to you, but you need to feel it. Let's see. Let's close out with this one right here. And I will leave you guys um, better than I found you tonight. Closing out from the Rawcast universe, we love you, baby. Rest in peace to the man, Terrence McKenna. Thank you so much for your amazing works and for opening so many minds. Um, We appreciate you. We're going to miss you. To quote Terrence McKenna for a final time, you are a divine being. You matter. You count. You come from realms of unimaginable power and light, and you will return to those realms. Good night, and thank you once again for joining us in Prying Open, The Third Eye.